What's up, Josue? What's going on, man? What's up, man? Uh, sorry uh, you're having so much trouble. Uh, it's, it's all right. It's weird. Cool, cool. Where are you at, man? Uh, I'm at my place right now. Oh, cool. Where, where do you live? I live in Glendale. Oh, shit. Okay. I don't know why I was, like, thinking. Well, I mean, it's not too far, but um, I was thinking you live a little more locally, like, uh, uh, around the West Hollywood area. No, I'm looking into, I was looking into moving and then this whole coronavirus thing happened. So I'm going to wait it out. <laughs> got it, got it. That's cool, man. That's cool. Uh, hey, first off, uh, thanks for uh, taking your time to join us today, man. I, I think it's super cool. Oh, yeah, man, of course. Uh, any Anytime I get to help out, I mean, you've always been cool to me too. So it's like, why not? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, it's, it's crazy just because uh, the gym that, I mean, you work out of Trinity, boxing and work at a fortune literally we're we're in the same alleyway which is bananas bonkers you know right I mean? right yeah and everybody's still cool with each other you know of course of yeah. course it's like at the end of the day it's just one big community yeah but so, sometimes i feel like in even in the boxing community like you know there, there's i i have seen and felt some rifts here and there but overall everybody is pretty cool though yeah i mean there's a you know there's always going to be a couple of bad apples but like for the most part like we're all in this like, if anything, this situation right now just shows that we're all in this together. We're, like, we're all going through it the same thing. It doesn't matter if you're from one gym or another. Like, we're all having the same issues because of, you know, this whole coronavirus thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, uh, I, I kind of want to first kind of uh, take us back, uh, like, a starting point. Um, the first time I met you was uh, when you were still working at Super Rare. I think I dropped in to get a pair of mitts, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly I, what it was. And I think you sold me the the uh, the ring to cage pocket mitts. I think that's the one that you sold me. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. smaller green ones. I remember the smaller. Oh no, 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 no! I got I got the big uh, baseball mitt pocket one. Oh, the oh, one the the, the air mitt, the air mitt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, you were man. thinking about getting the the winning one, but that's like five hundred bucks. Oh yeah, I mean uh, that was just a thought. I was like, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm. I'm definitely not that rich uh, to buy a five hundred dollar <laughs> pair of mitts, and if that was the case, I mean, I could probably, I could have probably, I could probably spend the same money and get like three to four pairs of customized mitts at that yeah. price. You know what I mean, yeah, oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. And I know you're super big on the uh, what's the Universal uh, Martial Arts mitts. Yeah, yeah. So far, they've treated me well. I have a couple of mitts from there, and they're they're really good, pretty reliable. Dope, dope. Uh, so. I kind of want to go from, so how long did you work at uh, Super Rare for? At Super Rare, about a year and a half. Okay. And then at what point in time did you decide to make the transition and to go full-time uh, coaching boxing? I was, uh, I was at a crossroads where I was, you know, still working five days a week at Super Rare. And mm -hmm. two days a week just wasn't enough to try to, like, you know, expand my clientele and, like, learn and, and, you know, put myself out there. Um, so after talking with after talking with Super Rare, um, we both decided it, it would be best if we just parted ways because I couldn't do a, like a I couldn't do a shorter I couldn't do a shorter week. And they wanted me there for a certain time and I wanted to be free for a certain time. So um, they had to do what's best for them and I had to do what was best for me. So then I decided in um, in November like eight, late October, early November of last year is when we we parted ways and I started to just train full time. Got it, got it. Yeah. And um, 
So what is your uh, what is your background in boxing and or martial arts? Um, I started boxing when I was about 16. Okay. Uh, and I was uh, I was getting into a lot of fights at school. So my dad was like, OK, like we're going to take you to the boxing gym and you're going to show me how tough you are. And, um, you know, Very much like, uh, I don't know if you ever heard Devin Haney's story, but that's exactly what happened. And they found out, I was like, Oh my God, my, my son is, is a genius, a boxing <laughs> genius. Well, it, it's like the Devin Haney story where his dad takes him to the gym and then that's where it stops because I was not a genius. Uh, they put God. me in the ring and I remember the dude piecing me up so bad. Oh my and, God. Uh, and my dad thought that that was going to be it. Like, okay, cool. Like he learned his lesson. And now he's not going to do it anymore. And I was just like, oh, no, I want to keep doing this. Like, I want to come back and learn how to do that. Like, God. so it was good, though, because it, like, taught me discipline and everything like that. Um, uh, were you still in Glendale at the time? Uh, no, I was in L.A. at the time. Oh, you uh, I LA? grew up. Yeah, I grew up in uh, I'm, I was born in Mexico. I moved here when I was about six. So I've been here in L.A. for a while now. Okay. And then I, I grew up around like Santa Monica and Vermont area. Uh, by like LACC oh, before yeah. it was, yeah, before it was that nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, um, dude, like, I mean, I'm a Koreatown native, so I'm very well aware of that area. Yeah. That, that's kind of like the cusp of where LA, like K-Town kind of cuts off. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, but right now LACC is super duper nice. Yeah, yeah, so I grew up around there, um, and uh, yeah, like I said, like I was getting into a lot of fights. So then that kind of like helped me out a bit. And then I, I started boxing and I didn't, I had a few like amateur fights, but it wasn't anything like too serious. It was more like of a hobby for me. It was never like, oh, I'm going to go pro. Got it. And like, my dad didn't really want me to like do anything like that. Like he didn't want me to like, quote unquote, be a pro boxer. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but you know, immigrant parents always want you to be better and of go course. to school and do all course. that. You know? not, not everybody's uh, parents are like Oscar De La Hoya, like you're not right? going to do anything <laughs> but box. I need you to run before you go to school and elevate yeah. school, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, they wanted me to go to school and they wanted me to do that. So it was. I always saw it more as a hobby, but I always enjoyed doing it. And uh, thought the, the funny thing is when I first started boxing, I never thought of training. I never thought I would have the patience to train, the patience to explain things because, like, when it comes to certain things, like when it comes to myself, if I can't get something right, like I get very impatient, I get very frustrated. So that's yes. something that I've that I've had to control. So like I didn't think that I, that would translate well into training someone because obviously like you're dealing with, you know, different people, you're dealing with different personalities, different egos, different ways of learning things. So I'm just like, no, there's no way I could do this. Um, and it just it just so happened that I guess, you know people like the way I train because they keep, you know, coming back. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, just a quick side question. Which gym were you at uh, when you were 16, when you first started boxing in LA? I believe it was in Pasadena. It was the old jail. It used to be an old jail. And then like they turned it into a gym, like off Villa park. Okay. Okay. And I cool. think it's, it's still there. I believe, I, I believe okay. um, it's still like a, like a youth program for, for kids and they can use it like an after school program where you can go box and stuff. Oh, very uh, cool. But yeah, it's in Villa Park in Pasadena, and uh, it's it's pretty cool what they've turned it into. Cool, awesome. Um, so let, let's bring you back to um, when you decided to leave Super Rare, uh, go uh, starting to start to coach boxing full time. Uh, now, the funny thing about Mitwork is that um, 
like there really is no school for it <laughs> right it, yeah. it's it's like the oddest thing to try to learn when yeah. like you know you can't really like you can't go read a book or take a class right although although box and burn does have an academy um uh, but I'm, I'm assuming you didn't go there did you no i did not okay so what i want to ask you is uh how did you learn how to hold mitts that's my number one question that's uh that's a great question um when i started to take training a little bit more serious um i decided i was like well i need to I, like i would look at all these videos because like i would try to mimic what i saw in the videos right, right. And, I, and i would see these videos and i'm like well i i have to i have to get mitts you know what i mean like i have to get mitts and i have to eventually start doing this so i i, w- I went to dick sporting goods on the website and i found these like title mitts that they had on sale okay so i just ordered them and i legitimately just started holding mitts and the the good thing about it was that when I was when I first started training people, it was people that had never boxed before or never had done more than like one class. So okay. they I mean, with all due respect to them, like they didn't when it came to mitt holding. So I, I think it kind of like I think it kind of like uh, masked the fact that like I was also learning too. Okay. Um, and did you did you kind of let them know that was your situation or did you just kind of go hey like uh you want to train boxing um i let so the way the way i started training people was i was working for i was working for apple at the time and and uh my best friend was over my place who happened to be a coworker of mine and she found a pair of boxing gloves in my in my closet okay. and i had never told her that i used to box or anything like mm-hmm. that and she kept bugging me for like a month or so, like two months, like, Hey, like train me, teach me how to box, teach me how to box, teach me how to box. So eventually she broke me down and, uh, we started to, like, I started to train her just a little bit. Like it was a little easier cause obviously I'm comfortable with her. So I could, I could tell her things Got in a different way. So then like when I started holding mitts for her, it was like, like she was learning how to box and I was learning how to hold mitts. And I, we were both very forgiving of each other because like we both, <laughs> right, right. We, we both knew we were very green. Right. And, at the time, I didn't have an Instagram, even like a personal one, mm-hmm. and none of that. Like, I didn't, I didn't really like, you know, buy into the whole social media thing. So she posted one video, like one 30-second video on her Instagram of us doing a little bit of boxing work. And I had like 15 coworkers come up to me and be like, yo, you got to teach me how to box. You got to train me. You got to train me. You got to train me. So then like, eventually, like they broke me down and I started training people and I didn't let them know like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing with these mitts. You know what I'm saying? Because like to me, like I have to instill confidence in them because they're already like, they're already not confident in boxing. So I'm right. like, well, I got to, I got to fake it to make it. Like I got to instill confidence in them. So like, right. I just have to go with the flow. So, I mean, if you look at it now, like if you scroll down, like I, I know you have, you have, you don't have time. You're a busy guy. But if you ever have time, scroll all the way to the beginning of no, my Instagram. No, I was actually just doing that right now before <laughs> you got off the phone, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Go If you scroll all the way to the... I left those videos there on purpose because people ask me the same question. And I'm like, you just have to you just have to do it and you have to get better at it. I look at those videos now and I'm proud of how far I've come, but I still cringe. I'm like, of oh, course. no. Like, of course. Like, what was I doing? Yeah, <laughs> man. Know? Um, and, and were um, you were you charging them at this time or what, what no, was no 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 i was definitely not charging because okay. yeah no the, there was no way that i can you know in my conscious of consciousness like there's no way i could charge people for that because at the time like i just wasn't i was super green like i wasn't seasoned i still don't think like i'm all that great right now but like there's always room for improvement but um 
when I started taking this more serious, I was like, I need to immerse myself in the culture. I need to immerse myself in like getting better at this. So and, how long? So this is even before you got to Super Rare. Correct. Got correct. And how long were you doing this for? I was doing this for maybe like six months, six okay. to eight months before I even started working at Super Rare. Got it. And then in between that, you move from Apple onto Super Rare for about a stint for about a year and a half. Correct. Got it. And then you continue to coach uh, yeah. co-workers and whatnot. And, and then you slowly started charging like, you know, random new trainers or clients. Right. Yeah. Got eventually, it. like I, I eventually I started off. I think the first time I started charging people, I, I was like charging them like 30 bucks a session. Okay. If that, That's like fair. An hour. That's super fair. Yeah. I, I, I believe when I first started doing it and I remember I remember a, a catalyst, something that helped a lot and um, was the generosity of other trainers. Um, mm. When I first started working at Super Rare, uh, I met uh, Josh Pollitt. Uh, oh, who, beautiful Violence. Yeah, Beautiful Violence LA, yep. uh, soon to be, you know, Fighter Boxing Club. Yep. Um, and I let him know, like, him and I got kind of cool, and I was like, hey, man, like, if, if there's ever a time, like, I can come in and, like, you can teach me a few things on how to hold mitts, um, I would greatly appreciate it. And, and you know, I was extremely just like someone is extremely um, nervous and cautious and a little bit intimidated of going into a, a, a combat sport gym, like any gym, like whether yes. it's jujitsu, boxing, Muay Thai, uh, wrestling, like whatever it is, if you've ever done it and you go in there, like you're going to feel some sort of intimidation, obviously. Of course. I felt the same way. I felt the same way in the sense of like, Hey, like I'm trying to be a trainer and I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, can you take the time out of your busy schedule to help me out? And I thought people were going to tell me to fuck off at first. And to be honest with you, like I was, I was surprised. And now that I know Josh, it's like, I, it's his nature. Like he just wants to help people. But like at the time I didn't know Josh and Josh was like, yeah, dude, come through. Like, you know, we'll figure it out. You know, you'll hold for me. I'll give you tips. And, and that's how it started. Like that's how I started going to Trinity at first just to. That's crazy because, for Josh. because that, that gym has, you know, oh, at the time, Eddie of, you know, Eddie of Lobos Boxing uh, Boxing Club. There's yeah. a Hollywood Hino. There's, yep. a, you know, Jose, yep. Jose Granillo, uh, you know, yep. Josh, you know, just, just like, just, it's such a stacked, legendary gym, yeah. especially coming from New York. So I could definitely see why you would feel that level exactly. of Exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm in there and, um, you know, no, there, and the craziest thing is I walk in and I'm not really like, you know, sure of what i'm doing yeah. and like everyone welcomes me with open arms everyone's super cool with me and i'm just like holy shit like this is completely the opposite of what i was expecting who was there on, on when the first time you went in there when I, well the first time i went in there uh obviously josh was there hino was there mm -hmm. he knows always hino lives there i don't even think hino has an apartment in LA. <laughs> he just lives at trinity he is always there yeah uh, man. <laughs> um hino was there uh and uh, there was other people uh jeremy was there um okay cool uh jeremy uh, is is the uh the asian trainer right correct he, cool, he's cool. also from he started at the at the trinity in new york and then he came out here to la as well oh dope that's awesome um so the, there's all uh there was people there and you know everyone was really nice and welcoming and uh I, it's funny that you mentioned eddie arizola because he was another guy who um was like yeah man if you ever need any help come through uh, this was before he had lobos yeah and you and, know i didn't know but i guess uh uh, Dylan, who owns Super Rare, is super good friends with Eddie as well, too. I didn't oh, yeah, they're that. super close. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, 
And, uh, yeah, I trained, I did a session with Eddie and he also gave me tips. And, and like I said, like, these are people that like, you know, are seasoned and are well-known and have been doing it for a very long time. And I was yes. just like, wow, the, the fact that these people are taking 90 minutes out of their day to like, give me pointers of like, put your elbows in like this, hold them it this way. You know, when you shoot a slip, shoot it to their face. So you make them slip. So you're not overcompensating right. for them. And like, it's just little stuff like that, that like makes a huge difference. And obviously like practice, practice, practice. Yeah. I mean, the, the community itself is pretty crazy, man. Um, do you, do you know who uh, Rashad Holloway is? Yeah. That's uh Tony Ferguson's strike coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, Rashad uh, comes in once in a while, trains some clients um, here at their fortune and we we're just chopping it up. And he's like, yeah, bro. Like, you know, I see you working, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, man, if you ever need anything, just let me know. He's like, you know, here's my number. You know, hit me up. If you have any questions, I was like, and, you know, like Rashad is not, he's not just an average trainer. Like, I mean, he's really up there. And so right. my point in saying all this is just, you know, I think the really cool thing about the boxing slash combat arena is everybody's so accessible. It's not like basketball where, Oh, like I want to, I want to go talk to Phil Jackson. Oh, let me hit him up on DM. Like, no, it doesn't work like that, right? But right. in boxing, you can do that. You know, you can hit up, you know, your Justin Fortunes and your Rashad Holloways and your Eddie Eddies and and your Joshes, and it's so crazy how willing everybody is to share their craft. You know, definitely. I mean, the the biggest the biggest one too is like Freddie Roach. Like, if you walk into Wildcard, there's a good chance you might see him. Yep. Just standing right by the like by the ring watching people spar and stuff and it's just like it doesn't matter how many people he corners and how many championships he wins with Pacquiao like I, he has to be at the gym because like he's just he, that's where he lives you yeah. know that's his that's his that's his church yeah basically. sir um with that being said uh before we move on to some other things uh you know if a brand new trainer is listening to this is having thoughts about Hey, I want to start holding some mitts or I want to get a little more serious, but they're at the beginning stages. What is the number one advice you would give to that person on how to get started? Don't be afraid to reach out. I think we just hammered that point mm. because like, I mean, you could, you could watch, like you said, you could watch all the YouTube videos. You can, you know, buy whatever mitts you want to buy, but if you don't do it, like you have to, you have to just do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's like, like you said in the beginning, like, yeah, there might be some classes that certain gyms or certain trainers give, but like, if you don't ever just put mitts on and just try to do it, or like, yeah, this, this, is, get... this is not like a theoretical thing that you no. can do in your head. You know? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, so one, two, three. Yeah, no, but you yeah. have to, especially when you start to hold for like, you know, bigger and better, you know, um, athletes, fighters, or clients, like. Right, and you start feeling the pop of these punches. Like it's it's a whole different ballgame, you know. What I Correct. Mean? Like, you know, everybody is not going to punch on rhythm. Some people are very unorthodox. You know, how am I going to catch this person's rhythm? Because that's my job. You know, right. it's not the fighter's job to catch my rhythm. It's my Correct. job to catch their rhythm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's one of those like you really have to get gritty and really experienced. So, I guess the main point would be. Mm, to reach out, you'd be surprised as to how many people would be willing to help. Yeah. Them. Yeah. I mean, people ask me, like, if I'm willing to help them and I'm like, I'll give you whatever knowledge that I have so far, you know, like I'm not claiming to be this like great trainer, but like I, I'm willing to help out. Like I have people ask me like, Hey, like, would you mind showing me how to do this or how to do that? I'd be like, yeah, like, this is how I was taught. Yep. This is how I do it. This is what works for me. But like at the end of the day, like 
just like boxing, right? There's going to be different styles for different trainers. Yes. The way I hold mitts is going to be completely different than the way you hold mitts, than the way Josh Pollitt, than the way Eddie Arizola, than the way Freddie Roach and Justin Fortune all hold mitts. So who but would I, you say you're the most, like, like your style is most closest to? I would probably have to say Josh Pollitt. Okay. Because of the time that I've spent with him, like, sometimes I'll watch his videos when he'll post something and I'll be like, God damn, like I do that the same way too. Just because, <laughs> just like it's just innate, you know, because he taught me how to do it this way. And then like I'll catch it, throw a slip, throw a roll this way. And I'm like, oh man, that's like that's vintage Josh Pollitt right, right there. Right. I would just say Josh Pollitt right now because, like I said, like he's the one that that's taught me the most. Got it. Um, but yeah. So, um, you know, I was scrolling through your Instagram page and um, I saw a clip of you in. Uh, you and train with PJ over at heavy. Yeah. What, what's the deal yeah. with that, bro? Oh, th that was it. That I forgot about that session I had with PJ. Yeah. Uh, like I said, PJ is another guy I met. Um, super. I, I couldn't, we wouldn't have enough time for me to say all the nice things I have okay. about PJ. PJ is like super nice. Um, he, uh, he invited me over and he's like, Hey man, like, you know, let's do a session, work me out. I'll give you some pointers. Um, and this was him reaching out to me. Like, I didn't even reach out to PJ. That's how nice he is. He's but like, did hey, you, man, did like, you know him, though? Yeah, I had okay. met him uh, at working at Super Rare. Oh, got um, it, got it. Yeah. He had come in a few times. We talked and, you know, uh, and um, like I said, he reached out. He's like, hey, man, come to Heavy. You know, we could do a session and everything. And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm not going to say no to, like, work. That's work. You know what I mean? Like, that's, you know, every every – Anybody that would let me pick their brain on, 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 you know, training, I'm always going to, you know, jump right at the chance to do it because like, that's, that's, there's no value to that. Like there's no, you can't put a price on that, on somebody taking their time to teaching you like certain things. Um, and, uh, cause every time that you pick one of these, you know, veterans brains, like you might've saved a couple of years off of your, you know, your training time of learning something, right. you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and even then, like, I remember, I remember watching a video of, uh, well, you know what? I'm just gonna, um, uh, Eddie Eddie Arizola posted a video on his Instagram, and um, this is a this is a perfect example of everything that you read is not always correct. Uh -huh. So, I read that when you when somebody shoots a pullback, you want to take a step with your if you're orthodox, you want to take a step with your right foot yes. back so you're more balanced. Okay. And if you're southpaw, you want to take a step back with your left foot so when you pull back, you're not completely off of balance. Got it. And that's what I've read, right? And it's like, yeah, that sounds like it's right. And then I saw Eddie doing a video with someone and he would have them pull back. And the person that was pulling back wasn't really stepping back. They were just using their waist and their little bit more of head movement to pull back. Got it. And he was just telling, and so I messaged him. I was like, "Hey, man, I was like, I've read this and I've read that. I'm just curious because, like, I know there's no particular right way to do it. But I just wanted to see why you have people do it this way." And he explained to me that the weight transfer is still the same, and you can actually come back faster with a harder punch if you use your waist a little bit more and you come right back, as opposed to taking that step and then having to move your whole body forward again. So it's not that Eddie was wrong and what the writing was right, or vice versa. It's just that there's always going to be different ways of doing things. And like I said, it goes back to being able to, like you said, I could just reach out to him and be like, Hey, I saw that you posted this. Do you mind telling me why? Cause I want to learn why. And him being cool enough to be like, yeah, look, this is why I do it this way. And this is why I think it will work best. You know, like that right there is like, 
like you said, it takes years off of like learning the hard way or just learning in general where you're just putting in the work, you know, like it just makes things a whole lot easier. Yeah, man. Um, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, Eddie's so uh, incredibly knowledgeable. Um, and, and, you know, when I first started to learn how to hold mitts, uh, the first person that really ever took the time to teach me was, um, uh, you know, Chris Triana. Chris who? Chris Triana. Trion. Um, uh, he used to work at Trinity as well, too. He hung out with Hino a lot. But anyways, um, he was one of my coaches from King's MMA. And, okay. And um, he's one of the guys that first taught me how to hold mitts. But along the way, that's when, you know, uh, it, and it still is, the Mayweather mitt work was so popular. Um, right. I got, when it got certified under uh, Coach Rick, you know who Coach Rick is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I, I did that whole course and, you know, so that whole system is like everything just kind of like really structured. Right. So, um, you know, my mind was so trapped into like, you know, just a slip two, three, two, roll two, three, two, sip, sip, roll two, three, two. And so my mind never went to, oh, you can duck a jab, you can duck a right. You know, I can actually slip when they slip to the left, when they throw uh, a jab over my right shoulder. So it's not always this, you know, cookie cutter program. So like, right. I totally agree with you that we got to keep our minds open to, you know, instead of slipping, we could do a forearm parry. There's so many different things right. that I've never even seen yet. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the, that's the beauty about combat sports. Like it's always evolving, always evolving. Like if you, if you really think about it, like Ali never did mints. Yeah, you know what? Uh, from some of the old school trainers, I would hear that a lot. You know, champions have been built on the heavy bag. Like back right. in the days, we didn't even used to do mitts. Yeah, yeah. Like Ali never did mitts, and Ali never lifted weights. All That's he did crazy. was run and body weight stuff and chop down trees when he was at Deer Lake and everything. But he never did mitts, and he never he never lifted weights because. Um, uh, Dundee never wanted him to be too bulky. That's why he was always like a slim 215. I think he the heaviest he ever was was like 223 when he was in his prime. And then mm. like afterwards, like, you know, he got a little bit bigger. But I mean, like, that's like the prime example. Like a lot of people like hail Ali to be, you know, the greatest, you know, or one of the greatest. And he never did mitts. He never lifted weights. And like, if you fast forward to now, right, like boxers are doing like explosive, like hit training where you're like, you know, pulling things, pushing things and lifting weights. Not that, not that that's wrong. It's just the mm -hmm. sport has evolved so much that it's, of just, course you, you just never know. You just never know what, what, you know, could happen next. So that's why, like, to your point, you always have to keep, keep your mind open because although the way you're doing it may be right, there could be a way that's even better later on. And if you're not open to that, you may miss the boat, you know? Right. So, so, uh, Keep your mind open. Don't yes. be afraid to reach out and yes. surround yourself with better coaches than yourself. Yeah. The biggest the biggest thing that I remind myself is that I'm never gonna know everything and that's mm -hmm. okay. Yes, yes. You know, you know, I think that's great permission to continue to learn, you just get better, you know. Um, with that being said, uh, you know, so let's so you started, you know, so you had the influence of Josh, you had the instrument uh, influence of PJ. Eddie, so all this is coming along. You leave Super Rare and you go, screw it. I'm going to go full time with this. How did you start to 
um, to grow your clientele and acquire these clients? So I, I started, um, I started getting clients because, uh, I, like I, I created a social media yep. and, and then, um, I started with, uh, training people at, at Apple. So some of those people still trickled over mm-hmm. and then, you know, I met, um, I met someone that was training out of wildcard and, and he was like, yeah, man, he's like, I'll, you know, I'll put the word out. So it's just literally by word of mouth and social media where it's like, um, I met a few people that, uh, I had, I had made connections with and we started to train and then like through my posts and through just like meeting people, uh, I think Josh recommended like, uh, one of my clients to me as well. And eventually it just started to grow where like I met, um, I met a few of my clients through, uh, some fighters. So it just depends on like getting your name out there. Like, Mm. it's just all about, Hey, like how do you promote yourself? And to be honest with you, like that's probably the, the most work or the most help I need is in like the social media aspect of it. Because like, I look at, I look at the way some of these other trainers promote themselves and I'm just like, man, like I'm missing the boat on this because I'm not like, like sometimes I, I want to let my work speak for itself, but I have to also understand that at this point, like I, I, I can't view my Instagram as social media. I have to view my Instagram as like a portfolio kind of thing, you know? So, because so what do you, so when you, uh, when you say I'm missing the boat, when I'm looking at some of these other trainers, uh, could you first tell us like maybe two people that you're thinking about off the top of your head and two, what are they doing differently that you're not doing? Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not even, I look at your Instagram, for example, and you're mm-hmm. like, um, and I'm, it's funny that, that I, that I mentioned this because it's like, I'm not even saying it because this is your podcast. It's just mm-hmm. the amount of interaction that you have on your Instagram is like, you know, sometimes in the morning it's like hey what's up like you know this is like the morning message and then you post like hey these free the the first free sessions aren't going to last forever like you know make sure you get up on that you Mm -hmm. just have to pay the price for this or for that so it's just like it's that constant interaction of like hey look like i know you want to do this i'm here it's not that scary i'm accessible like like that's the type of stuff that i see and and obviously you don't say hey it's not that scary it's here it's just the way you just uh, promote yourself um, is just very, like, very easy to be like, hey, you know what? Like, yeah, that's not bad. And also with the videos that you post of, like, the training videos, the mint videos, the tutorials that you do, like, stuff like that. I feel like I need to be I need to be getting better at doing stuff mm-hmm. like that because it's like, you know, you want people to see the improvement of the client and you also want people to see that it's like, drillers make killers basically you know like yeah but uh, uh, number one i I really appreciate uh the nice words um thank you so much um but the thing that i really try to like it's not always about me it's not always but it's always about the client right right so um and, and the thing i'm like so like you know sometimes i'm a little hesitant to put up these drills or whatever because for a lot of people like drilling isn't sexy and drilling isn't what they want, right? Like right. They want, they, they want mitt work and whatnot. So, right. um, but at the same time, like I, I do that on purpose because 
I'm sure I lose some clients over that, but I want a certain type of clientele. Right. So I want to make sure that I put up the content that's going to bring me people that are serious about the skill aspect, the technique aspect. So if I put up more videos of doing the 1000 punch combinations, then that's what I'm going to get. So that was kind of part of my plan, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like, like I always tell my clients, like I'm not expecting you to want to fight after we train, yes. but I'm going to try to teach you the right way. Yes. So it's like, to your point, it's like, Hey, maybe this session we're not going to do those five, six punch combos that you like to do because we need to get that right cross down and we need to get that left body shot down because you're right. not throwing that properly. So to me, it's like, to me, that matters more turning your punches, dipping into that left body shot, bending your lean a little bit, transferring that body weight. Like that is more important to me than you being able to connect a six punch combo. Right. Right. And, and I feel like the client that doesn't know you and gives you a shot is going to see that you care. And I feel like that's the biggest difference that might turn, that might turn a, a client that says, well, I don't want to work with him because he's going to make me throw 500 jabs in a session. But, yes. but they come do that one session with you and they're like, yo, fat boy shrink made me throw 500 punch, 500 jabs in a session. But, at jab 450, something clicked, and those last 50 jabs were fucking solid. So I want to go back now and get my right cross just as good as my jab. You get what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, man. That, no, that that's a that's an amazing point, man. And you know, like I I think we all as coaches will lose if we want to try to please everybody. Right. You know, but you know what makes one coach's pad work different than another? I think for the most part, pad work. I mean, obviously, some people hold pattern pads a little bit better than others, but at the end of the day, like the the really overarching theme that's going to separate, you know, Coach A from Coach B is, do you give a fuck? Right. You know, because nobody wants to go to a coach that, oh, like, oh, like whatever, like I'm just another cookie cutter client, like he just the same thing with everybody. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, like I said, like the biggest thing is that will I feel like change clients minds if they decide to work with you or decide to work with me because we're not always posting that like super sexy like <laughs> punch combo it's like holy shit this guy really cares though this guy really wants to make sure that I'm getting the most out of this so even right. though like we're not at that pad work just yet you know he's really making sure that my progress is at the correct speed and even then like when I do mitt work with clients like I, I think the most punches I throw in a combo is maybe like four or five because I think about it and I'm like, if you're in a real fight or if you're sparring, if right. you get more than five punches off, oh my God, you're not, that's you should, ridiculous. You that's shouldn't ridiculous. be sparring with that person. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, because then that's not sparring anymore. You're just hitting somebody that's like not defending themselves. So to me, it's like, you know, three, four, five punch combos, boom, 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 and in and out, you know, it's because right. it's just like, no one, no one's going to sit there and throw 60 uppercuts. No, of <laughs> in in a fight, not. you know, but but then again, you'll watch um, other coaches and other Instagrams, and they'll be like, "Well, they're doing it there. Why can't we do it here?" Well, I mean, you know, and, and again, going back to my point, like if that's what you want, I mean, I can do it, but I would really feel like I'm doing you a disservice because right. 
you know, and, and you know, this, this goes away from the fact of whether you want to fight or not. I just want you to learn properly. Correct. Because the thing that always makes me stick to my plan is number one, I, I want to have a brand. Meaning when somebody comes to me, I want them to know exactly what they're getting, you know? So if this, if that's the type of brand that I cultivated, then that's what I want people to expect from me. And that's the promise they'll get from me. And secondly, if, you know, if they leave me because they have to move or whatever the situation is and they happen to go to another, you know, legitimate boxing yeah. gym and they go, oh, like I've already been boxing for five years. And then, you know, that coach gets them on the paths and go, what the fuck are you yeah. learning? Right. I never want I want never want to hear that. Yeah. You know what I mean, that yeah. basically to your point, that's your product. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like that's your baby. Like like if you get a client that comes from nothing that's never thrown a punch before and after a year like you could show them like look how far along you've come that's that's you that's that's fat boy shrink boxing that's k-town boxing right there that yeah. went from day zero to day 366 and this is the progress that we've made so if they go to any other gym they can be like oh yeah you know so and so trained me and they'll and it's just like it's it's just taking pride in what you do. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with telling somebody, look, like I don't want to do these 10, 15 punch combos because that's like, that's not, that's not really boxing. That's just punch right. output. You know, right, if you really right. want to learn how to box, then we got to get your footwork down. We got to get you turning on your punches. We got to get exactly. head movement, changing angles, you know, do, doing stuff like that because that's what really boxing is about. Right. So if, if, you know, if some, if, you know, let's just say one of your client's friends ask one of your clients, Hey, um, you know, I want to start boxing with your coach and your client starts to describe who Josue and Lions Fight Club, Lions Only Fight Club is, what type of brand do you, do you think that you've built for yourself that they will say about you? I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to think that, you know, they'll say that, you know, Lions Only Fight Club is a trainer that, you know, cares, cares about you, cares about your, your progress, wants you to do things the right way, you know, wants you to, you know, have patience, because that's going to be the biggest thing. I feel like Ooh, that's a huge thing. Sometimes people don't understand that, like, it's not going to take one session to fix your stance. It's not going right. to take one session to teach you how to throw a proper jab. Mm. And, and that's not like, that's not me trying to get more sessions out of a client. That's just the reality of things. It's like, exactly. it's the reality of anything. Like mm -hmm. if you're going to learn how to play the guitar, you can't take one lesson and learn how to play the guitar. You're not going right. to be, you know, you're not going right. to be Eddie Van Halen by the time you're done after an hour session, you know? So right. it's just like it, things take, things take time. And I, I'm always saying drillers make killers because if, if, if you want to get good at something, you just got to automatically keep doing it. Boom. You just, to the point where it just becomes muscle memory. So yes, to, to go back to answer your question, I would just say someone who cares, someone who wants you to be patient and, you know, someone who, you know, wants you to learn how to do things the right way. Okay. Um, awesome. And, you know, one thing that I ask every coach that I have on is what is the origin story behind the name Lions Only Fight Club? Um, my grandfather, my grandfather, uh, from my mom's side when i was younger used to call me uh cara de leon which means in spanish face of a lion when i used to get angry because i would like mm. furl my brow and like he would always just tell me that and 
I've always had an affinity for lions. Mm. So when I started doing this lions only fight club, I was like, yeah, like this is, this, this is what works. And then the Charlo brothers came along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and they really uh, just, just, just like took it to the next yeah, level. And I was just like, well, I'm not going to change it. And I mean, it's funny because sometimes I haven't gotten it as much as I thought, but some people will be like, are you like a huge Charlo fan? And I'm like, well, I respect what they do, but this isn't really based on Charlo. Right. But, um, so that's why I started doing like Lions Only Fight Club because it's just like, you know, to me, it's like, you know, it has sentimental value for me personally. Um, and then it's just, you know, one of my, it's my favorite animal as well. So why not? So, uh, do you know who, uh, Mike Rashid is? Yes. Yep. So Mike Rashid, uh, I think his, one of his slogans is live like a lion. Now, what exactly is it that people, you know, when they refer to like, you know, say live like a lion, you know, lions only, like, what does it mean to have the characteristics of a lion? Uh, it's a never say die attitude. Number one, never say die attitude. Never say okay. die attitude for sure. Like, if you really think about it, like, obviously you can equate that to boxing. You can equate that to everyday life. You can equate mm. that to work. Like, whatever it is, like, you can equate it to that. Like, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it down the first time. You're not going to mm. get it down the second time. But if you don't stop trying, you'll eventually get it, you know? Man, that's what's up. And I feel like sometimes, like, you know, I always, I, people always say like people, good things always come to those who wait. And I'm like, no, people always come, good things come to those people that get off their ass and just fucking do it, you know? Like, no, right, like, right, I'm right. not going to just wait here and be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I want to be a, a great boxing trainer, you know? Like, okay, sitting on my bed on my laptop, looking at other trainers throw combos isn't going to make me a better trainer. No, I got to get my right, ass up. Right. I got to, you know, keep going at it every single day because that's how you just get 1% better every day. So absolutely, man. I feel like, you know, lions have like that never say die attitude. Like they, they garner that respect. They garner like that fear, but it's just like, it's just not about it's that, that having that tenacity and not giving up. Got it. Got it. That's what's up, man. Um, I, I love the story. Um, I love the sentimental value. Um, and, and now random thought uh, came in my head. Uh, uh, my buddy, is, uh, his name is Ahat, and he started this new uh, run club, uh, the Pure Zen Soul Run, uh, Pure Zen Soul Run Club, and he happens to run it out of Lululemon out in um, Beverly Hills. Yeah. And the first day I went there, um, I was doing like a little promo with water bottles and whatnot. Nice. And uh, uh, I ran into your uh, client Sam. Yeah. 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 Uh, she said, "Oh, like." She goes, which uh, which boxing gym do you train at? And I was like, oh, out of fortunes. Oh, I train over at Trinity. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, oh, which trainer do you train with? He goes, oh, I train with Josue. I was like, oh, that's what's up. Yeah. So, uh, what what is your uh, like? How did you meet that client, and what what's kind of the story behind that? Uh, the way I met her uh, was she works with Jana, who's one of my friends. I wouldn't say she's my client. She's is that the one with the uh, the the shaved head on the side? Um. Yeah, that's the one with the the Canadian girl. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I see her. I see her on your page a lot. Yeah, um, she uh, she works over at a at a strength and conditioning gym, and um, and I met her. I met her through her, and Jana was the one that told her like, "Hey, um, 
you know, I don't have time to train you, but I know a, a trainer that has the time and can take you on. So I started training with her. She had done a few, uh, Sam had done a few, um, cardio boxing classes at a few gyms, uh, but had never really received any like one-on-one -on -one coaching. And, um, it's always, it's always funny to me when people like do those cardio classes Mm -hmm. And they think that they have good cardio and then they get that one-on-one -on -one attention and then they realize, like, <laughs> oh, this is completely different. And that's, I, I think that's the biggest thing for people that, um, not necessarily just Sam, but like for people that do like cardio classes and then you go, like, let's say they go to Fort or they come to Trinity and they do one session with either of us is then they realize that it's like, oh man, like this is a completely different type of cardio than just hitting the bag for three minutes while loud music plays in the background. <laughs> No, absolutely. And, and on, uh, you know, um, and the funny thing is a, a big chunk of my clientele are actually uh -huh. trainers. Like they're not boxers, but they're like lifting trainers or bodybuilding, strength and conditioning trainers. So uh, I think they already like have a different level of understanding of cardio and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely, man. Because the one-on-one, -on -one, uh, taking a one-on-one -on -one versus a group class is it's a different type of cardio like let's say you went to rumble like they give you an amazing workout but it's also a different right. type of boxing a different type of cardio than a yeah -on -one, definitely you know I mean? yeah I, um i also feel mm -hmm. like that you know i don't know about you but like um it's a different type of like attention that you get too like there's certain there's certain yes. things that you can get away with in a cardio class that you wouldn't be able mm -hmm. to get away with on a one-to-one -one because on the one-to-one, -one, all the focus is on you. So, so I feel of like course. if you get a little tired in a cardio class, you could just stop punching. And, you know, usually the, the instructor, the, the instructor <laughs> won't really say anything. Cause it's just like, okay, well, you of know, course. but in a one-on-one -on -one, it's like, no, 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 no. The round's not over. What are you doing? Like put your hands back up. Right. Like, right. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You back you know, up, you protect yourself at all times. Like, if you get tired while you're in there sparring, like they're not going to stop hitting you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Right. Um, so number one, do you train any fighters right uh, now? At the moment, uh, I just started uh, training again with uh, Jade. Uh, she is uh, the blonde girl that just had her fight this past November. Uh, okay. Uh, she works in the, in the movie industry. So after that fight, okay. she had to go back to work and she works like erratic hours. So we haven't had a time to like okay. sit there and do like uh, a camp and try to find a fight. So right now we just started like training again and we're not necessarily training for a fight, but we're fine tuning some things like we can get your jab better, right. we can get your cross better. You know, we can mm -hmm. I can teach you how to set some traps. So when, you know, we start getting ready to fight camp, like it'll make more sense. So. At Got the it. moment, no, I'm not training any fighters. Also, I don't know when we're going to be able to have any kind of fights in the near future. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a, that's a, I was, you know, uh, I was just thinking today that, you know, some of the people that said they were going to be having fights, I was like, these people are like sucking their thumbs and I'm all pissed off because they've been training for months. And then now, you know, this corona right. shit happening. You know, we're not even fighting. Yeah. So, so it's like, um, it's a little, it's a double edged sword because we have time to train right now, but, there's no real there's no real point to fight camp right now because you don't know when and if all this stuff is going to blow over and when you know we're going to allowed to be have any type of fights right right um so do you train you know compared to your fighter client versus your everyday fitness client do you train them differently um i wouldn't say differently i would just say that 
I'm a stickler for for little things like um, if if I know someone's getting ready, you know, for a fight, I may be a little bit harder on them in the like in the sense of like, well, we just did ten rounds. I still want you to do two more rounds, and I expect the same type of like punch output or like keeping your hands up or like keeping your chin tucked mm-hmm. in. Like this is th- these are Got things it. that like I still instill on a on a on a fitness. A client that just wants to get into better shape but if it's someone who's getting ready for a fight it's just little things like that but the training other than the road work i feel like it's pretty much the same uh, okay like the road work obviously and maybe some strength and conditioning but other than that it's it's it doesn't really change too much because you just want to make sure that th- that this person that this fighter can last for you know 10 rounds even though it's going to be a what three six round fight depending you know Got it. So, so there's your there's your fighter clients, and then there's your everyday fitness clients. Um, are most of these people coming in for weight loss? Um, some of these people are coming in for uh, endurance training. Uh, they're coming in for wanting to do it because they've always wanted to do it, but they've never gotten around to it. So now they're like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And then some people want to learn how to fight so they can get in the ring and, and at least spar and then see where it goes from there. Got it. So I, I guess the question that I'm really trying to ask is, you know, minus your fighter clients, because fighters always have a very specific end goal. They have a fight. They, you know, they have a goal they want to reach for people that don't have that. How do you keep your clients motivated and what do they usually want from you? So it, it depends. Like, if I if I get somebody that that comes to me and it's like, hey, I want to I want to do I want to train with you, I my first question is, awesome. What is it that you want to get out of this? Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, people can come and have different types of goals. So if someone says, well, I want to I want to lose some weight, I always ask them like, well, how does your diet look? Because we can train for 15 rounds but if you're eating you know like crap once we leave then it doesn't really matter um Mm. so it just depends on on what their on what their goals are so if someone just wants to get better at boxing it could be that like hey like we couldn't do this combo when we first started but look now you're just doing this combo we're able to add to we're able to add to it or hey you weren't able to do six rounds before and now we're at eight rounds and you're not and you're then you're starting to get tired so it's just like mm. it's little differences like that where it's just like, well, we're doing two and a half minute rounds right now. Let's train for three minute rounds this time and see how you do there. It's just little mm. little finish lines like that that, you know, can keep a person motivated. Um, and then once they once they like see themselves also, that I think that's huge. Um, I always I always ask for permission to record someone. Um, I always okay. ask for permission to record someone and I always ask for permission to post it. Because sometimes people don't want that posted, you know, but I feel like just recording something, not even having to post it, but just recording something and showing it to them and be like, look, this is what you look like six weeks ago. You couldn't do this. Like that to me Mm. is like huge. And that to the client for the most part is huge because they're like, wow, like this is my hard work being shown back to me on video. And like, obviously there's no lie to that. Like that's, that's Mm -hmm. that's what you can see. Right. Uh, th- th- these are, this is evidence. This is not my thoughts. Right. Yeah. Like you can clearly see yeah. from A to B, there is a massive yeah, difference. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, now, 
Uh, one last thing I want to ask you is that as a, as a trainer, how important do you think it is to be personable? Because let's just say you, you you know like you have you have you were you were a fighter, you had great credentials, great fight record. You know, like let's just say you were promoted by top ranker, Golden Boy, right. and then you know you have the knowledge, you have the skill set, and yada yada. I mean, you have the all the bells and whistles to be an amazing boxing coach yet your personality is a little laugh how important do you think that factor is to becoming an amazing boxing coach i think it depends on the person so now if someone is if someone is trying to become a better boxer they might look past that Mm -hmm. because they may think, hey, look, like, this guy, you know, is dull, but he knows a lot and I, I can improve. Mm. But also, the other side of the coin is like, you know what, like, it's not worth it to me because this person is dull. So it's like a very, like, it's a double-edged sword. I think I think being personable to the extent of, like, you know, being somewhat welcoming but then you mm-hmm. have to be careful with that line too, because you also have to be honest with your client. And so yes. you don't want you don't want them to think that you're too personable. And then when you're honest with them about something, you end up hurting their feelings because they might think that, oh, I thought we were friends. You know what I mean? God, and- yeah, man. That that's a that's a very uh, that's a very um, hard line to draw for some some because people. it it's it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where you're like this person is my product. Like this person is like, they came from me. So it it could be the same thing. Like, yes, this client is paying me to help them become a better boxer. It doesn't mean that after three sessions, I'm going to put them in the ring because they want to spar. Right. Right. Like I've turned people down and I'll be like, I'll give you your money back. I'm not going to name names. So, (laughs) Uh but I've turned people down and I've told them I can, I can give you your money back because they've told me like, well, I'm paying you, so if I want to spar, I'm going to spar. And I'll be like, okay, well, that's not how things work here. So I can give you your money back, uh-huh. and you can go spar somewhere else because, like, you're mm-hmm. not ready to go in there. Uh-huh. And and I feel like that's a big thing, too. Like, people sometimes, you know, oh, well, this person's paying me, so I guess I should just let them do whatever they want. And that's not the case because, you know, like everyone says, you don't get to play boxing. It's not like, oh, you know, like, we're going to go in here and just have some fun. Like, no, someone's going to get in there and knock your head off and then, you know, things can get really serious after that. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a reason why they say, you know, you don't play boxing. And um, this is one business where the client isn't always right. Yes. Well, well, technically, um, the customer isn't always right. But we've been <laughs> in this society, we've been taught that. But technically, the customer isn't always right. <laughs> right. But I'm, I'm talking about according to America. Right. Yeah. Is <laughs> always right. Because uh, if you go to other countries, that's not always no, the it's case. Not. But especially when it comes to boxing, like I'm not gonna put somebody else's life in jeopardy just so that you can feel cool about right. sparring. You know right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um so uh with that being said, uh there's a question that I like to ask every person that comes on here, which is uh name me obviously you follow a lot of boxing trainers on Instagram, yeah. correct? Okay, cool. Uh, regardless of skill level, whether they train fighters or stylistically, whatever, like none of that matters. 
three coaches that you love watching hold pads? Uh, Josh Pollitt, Beautiful Violence. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin Gleason. Oh yeah, man, that's that's, that's definitely on, on my on my top list right there too. Amazing South Florida. Yeah, Kevin Gleason is another good one, and um, and obviously Eddie Eddie Reynoso from uh, you know head trainer for yes, for sir. Canelo and for Oscar Valdez and for Ryan Garcia. And for man, he has definitely uh, grown qu- quite a camp yeah. over there, man. And I think that has a lot to do with the Golden Boy connection. As I well, think too. so too. I uh, I also feel that, I mean, if you look back, if you look back at Canelo's progression from like the Floyd fight um, to you know later fights, and then like I think the Cotto fight was like a, a, a huge coming out party, like defensively for him and everything like that. So I feel like other fighters are seeing that too, where it's like he's not just the one-trick pony. Like the evolution of Canelo Alvarez over the years is huge, and he's only thirty, so he's getting these guys that are really young, like Oscar Valdez, um, like Ryan mm-hmm. Garcia, aka Abercrombie and Fist. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. That's a pretty cool. Yeah, Pat Pendy, Pat Pendy. I did not know that, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> um, and. Uh, Luis Luis La Pantera Neri is just gonna start with him. He used to be with Is that the, is that the Cuban guy that just fought? Uh he was supposed to fight, but he didn't make weight. Okay. And that was his last fight uh, with uh with Freddie Roach, and then he left Roach's camp and now he's gonna start training with uh with the Canelo camp. So I mean um no the, the, the guy you're thinking about is Elvis, Elvis Rodriguez, who's still he's I think Dominican, isn't he, or something like that? Uh, the, the, like he's kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. He's still with he's still with Freddie. He's another good southpaw too, though. Freddie always okay. has this thing with southpaws that he just loves to train, and that guy's a really good southpaw. He's young too. Dope, um, dope. But as you can tell, I watch a lot of boxing too. <laughs> I can see that. I can definitely see that, man. Uh, I mean, you know, like you're you're in the business. Yeah. Um, you want to get better. You want to watch other definitely. people. Um, you know that that. Makes complete sense, bro. That makes complete sense. And um, my very last question is: Hold up. So it was Eddie Reynoso, Kevin Gleason, and Josh Pollard. and beautiful, yeah, violence. beautiful violence. Okay, cool. Wow. You know what? Uh, after maybe about like ten, I think what I'm going to do after about every ten episodes, I'm going to come up with like a top five list because there are definitely are some similarities. Um, yeah, Kevin Gleason is definitely up there. Uh, um, and you know, I was gonna say pa- Pablo Escobar. Pablo no, Escobar. Um, hi, um, hi, Hiro, Hiro. Oh, that's right from Hit is? SF. That's yeah, another Hiro, guy too. Yes, yes. Hiro Escobar is always like. Oh, on, how could I forget about Hiro? Dang, that guy. And yeah. you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? Other than obviously me knowing Josh and gonna be working for Josh soon too. Um, I've messaged Kevin Gleason and both Hiro Escobar. Super accessible. Super accessible. Super nice, and oh yeah, no, Kevin is super. Uh, Coach Kevin is super nice. I've never gotten a response from Hyrule, but I know he's super busy, so I'm like, oh, don't get. Yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah. I've I've gotten uh, a response from Hyrule. Kevin Gleason, like he'll post something, I'll be like, oh man, I love this workout. I might steal this. He's like, take it, take everything that you can get, man. Like that's how you learn. That's how you get better. Like, you know, I I, I do want to say that I think when you're when you know you're good. And you know that you're such a badass, and you will continue to grow. Like you're not afraid right. to share. You know, you know, right. you know what I mean. Because I think people that don't want to share, it's only because they know that's all right. they have. Yeah. And I think it's the same people that 
are afraid to learn something new so they don't grow. Right. And it, it goes back to it goes back to what we were talking about of um, when you asked about giving advice to somebody who's going to start holding mitts or wants to start holding mitts. It's like never be afraid to ask for help. Get out there and just do it. It doesn't matter. Like, mm. just get out there and just try your best to do it. You know, and it's not going to come easy. And, you know, just I feel like patience and knowing that you're not going to know everything are like four big things yes, that sir. like I feel like would help out a lot for sure. Yeah, man. Um, I I want to ask one very last question. We'll end with this. I think it's a very important topic. We spoke about this before, too, which is. When you first start off, I think both you and I, we've given tons of free sessions, more than I can. I, I probably give away just as many sessions as I've gotten paid for. I don't know right. the count, but you get yeah. the point, right? And I know you've done yeah. the same thing as well, too. Now, to somebody that's just starting off, like, I can't, I don't have any clients. Um, you know, uh, I want to I wanna get better at MITS. Could you kind of explain to them the correlation between, you know, drop your ego give free sessions so you can get better and get more content could you kind of drop the knowledge bomb on that for for somebody listening yeah i mean like i said like when, like for me personally when i started doing it i knew i was super green and even though i was like letting off to be like i knew what i was doing because the people that i was training didn't know what they were doing like that's one thing but once I started, once I started getting into the actual like gyms, like walking in the Trinity, I was like, okay, cool. Like you have to, you have to understand that like, there's no other way of getting better at doing this than by just doing it. And in order for that mm -hmm. to happen, you're going to have to give away some free sessions, no matter what. Mm -hmm. and, and when, when, when Josue says some, he means yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. A because lot. I, I was just about to say there's no time frame for it. It's not like, well, I've done three months of free sessions. I can start charging now. Nope. No, it's just, it, you just need to know that you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do it and you're going to have to do it a lot because that's the only way you can get better. And that's the only way you can get your name out there. Even if it is, Hey, I trained with this guy for free at the park, go in there, you know, he'll, he'll put you through a good workout. That's just the only way you're going to learn. It goes back to the point that when we first started talking, like, there's no MIT Academy. There's no MIT University. There's no, hey, by the way, we should probably come up with something like this. There's, there could be some, there could be some good business in there if we really think about it. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, you know, I was like, that was one of my things, and I just got so consumed with a lot of other things. But yeah, no, we we should definitely talk about that, bro. Like that's, uh, um, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about off that. Air. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, but but yeah, I, I but, feel like. The, the biggest thing it, it's crazy because in this in this business and i just mean combat sports period the ego is so big and and i get that you're going in there you're putting you're putting your you know you're possibly putting your life on the line getting in the ring getting in the cage getting on the mat um but when it comes to training it's you have to understand that like you just you just have to do it and you you're not going to get better if you don't train with people that are better than you that's, that's absolutely true, man. I mean, you know, it's a couple of things that, you know, that I wasn't expecting that became challenges when it came to learning how to hold mitts is um, height, right? So I'm right. six four, and a lot of my clients are like five, right. you know, that's a huge challenge for me, right? So how do I 
you know, correctly hold the pass for somebody that has such a huge um, height right. difference. Um, another thing that I didn't expect was uh, the length of their arms, which is distance, right? Like that was a huge thing that I couldn't, that took me a while to kind of learn over right. time. Um, handling power without hurting myself, right. that's a huge, you know yeah. what I mean? So, so there's so many different elements that will pop up that we may not have been able to see through somebody else's video right. that they didn't mention. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, only experience will teach exactly us that. like just being just hands on hands on training is probably the best type of training. Like you just have to throw mitts on, and you know try to keep compact, keep your elbows tucked in a little bit, try to take the least amount of impact off your shoulders. You know try to meet the punch but like i said i can sit here and explain how to catch a punch on a mitt till the cows come home but but <laughs> if you don't go out there and do it it's not it's going to mean diddly squat so yes sir and so leave us with one mantra that boxing has taught you that you that you carry with you on the daily to be a lion you have to train with lions oh man that's it that's it that's a mic drop <laughs> right there <laughs> All right, Josue, I really appreciate you coming on, I appreciate on, you for having uh, me, man. I had a great time. Whenever there. you want me back, I'll, I'll come in here and we'll talk some more. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll run it Sounds back, Sounds good. Brother.